Well, let's make our confession because the Word of God is so powerful. It says, I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have the victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Can you say amen? Now, for old time's sake, let's say this. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. We're going to talk about that today when we talk about this message. You can be seated. Tell, tell your neighbor there, the Word of God is so simple. It is so simple. Well, I don't know how many of you like to laugh, but if you don't like to laugh, that's your problem. So you came on the right day, and now you know what your problem is. But here's, this is the book of humorous stories. I've read out of it from time to time. It's an author who, who went to some pastors and had them give their children a project of writing stories, a little notice to God, what you would like God to do for them, or just what you'd like to tell God. So I just want to read a couple of them to you. They're really cute. Dear Pastor, I think more people should go to church on Sunday if you sold popcorn in the back like they do in the movie house. This is eight-year-old uh, Dolly, and Dan Peter said, yes, that would be a great idea. How many of you like popcorn? <clears throat> I like popcorn. Dear Pastor, does God really want me to take a bath every day like my mother says? This is little Messina. She's eight years old. Uh, oh, the one about the ladies, I really like that. My wife stepped out. I was going to ask her if it was funny or not. Dear Pastor, I am sorry I can't leave my money in the plate at church on Sunday, but my father didn't give me a raise in my allowance. <clears throat> Could you give a sermon about a raise in allowance? Ten-year-old Patty. Now, these are true letters for little kids. This is precious. This is a little ten-year-old saying, I want you to pray, ask God to give me an allowance. Dear Pastor, I would like you to marry me and my girlfriend when we get married someday. This is from Anthony, age 10. P.S. I'll let you know when I find a girlfriend. <laughs> Dear Pastor, my mother is very religious. She goes to play bingo at church every week, even if she has a cold. <laughs> Little nine-year-old. Oh, the joy of the Lord is, is our strength. It's good to see all of you here today. If you have your Bibles, you turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. We're going to be reading there. <clears throat> I have experienced this message in my life, and I, I, I believe it is the word that the Lord has for all of us today, and that is to wait upon the Lord, and that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has a plan and a purpose for countries. God has a plan and a purpose for the will. And if we will wait upon Him and seek Him, He will show us what His will is and what His plan is. If we don't wait, we sometimes become anxious. We sometimes become a little, mm, I need to do something. I need to make something happen. How many of you have ever done something that you didn't think it necessarily wasn't the will of God, but you did something and found out later on it was not the will of God? Or how Three of you. <laughs> no, nobody else. Okay. All right. This is a good group then. Or how many of you have knocked down a door or opened a door, even though it says that 
You can't open a door that God won't open in line with his will. That's true. And God won't open a door for you, and God will keep the door shut. But how many of you realize you can knock down a door sometimes and go through it only to find out that that was the wrong door you walked through because you rushed the situation doing what you thought we, you needed to be doing. But the Word of God is very clear. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 4, verse 28, it says, He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Let's say it. That's for me. Tell your neighbor, that is for you. Wait upon the Lord, and you will have your strength renewed. When Pam's Uncle Gene came to live with us out in Tulsa, alcoholic, had lost his family, had lost his uh, job as an educator, a principal of a big school up in, in Michigan City. And when he came to live with us, that's one of the first scriptures that he got a hold of. He has a lot of plaques, and every time he'd see one, he'd buy it with that scripture on it. But that really ministered to him about how that he just needed to wait on the Lord now and that God was going to renew his strength. And that's true for all of us. If we will just wait on the Lord, God will give us and show us the things that he wants us to do and give us the plan for our life. Many of us take control from time to time of our own life. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to make money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But what we need to do is know what is God saying for us to do and what is God's plan for our life. And if you don't have it, then you're in a position of waiting. Everybody say wait. How many of you are impatient people? Can I see your hands? Annabelle, is your hand raised? Okay. And, and, and impatient people, impatient people, <clears throat> Grandma's sitting back there to keep her in line. Impatient people can do things when they should be waiting, and they should be waiting. And sometimes waiting is one of the more difficult things to do. But if you will wait on the Lord, God will never, and you hear me say this all the time, but it's so true, God will never not tell you what he wants you to know and what he wants you to do. And many times in that waiting period, we just need to reflect back, am I already doing everything that God has called me to do? If I am, then I'm just waiting for further instructions. But if I'm not doing what God has already told me to do, he's not going to give me another plan. He's going to be waiting for me to finish the plan he already gave me. Now turn to your neighbor and say, he, he is talking to you now. <clears throat> you need to finish up the plan God has already given you. And all of us have things in our life. I was, I'll do this here in just a moment. But I was ministering in, in Peru, Lima, Peru, uh, a few years ago, several years ago now. John was with us. And Terry Henshaw was leading this outreach. And it was a huge crowd of, of, of people and students that are graduating from Victory Bible Institute there in Lima, Peru. And there's a point in the message when I had said, how many of you know what God has shown you to do in your life that you're supposed to be doing right now and you're not doing? I was using an interpreter. And when I said that, it appeared to me that every hand in the place went up. And I turned to the interpreter and I said, did I say it wrong or did you say it wrong? It seems like everybody lifted their hands. That said what you said. And I said, well, let's say it again. And they did it again. And sure enough, every hand went up again. 
And I said, let's do it one more time. Maybe I'm not saying it exactly right or something. We did it again, and every hand went up. It really amazed me. It amazed Terry Henshaw. He's preached the message for a long time, for several years. I've heard him preach that same message when he's talked to me and said, I use that as an example again, Bill, that how he was astounded by how you can know what God has told you to do in your life, but then still not do it. I believe there are things in my life that I need to examine that God has shown me that I have perhaps overlooked, perhaps not done, perhaps not been obedient like God has shown me. I want to ask you, how many of you have things in your life God is showing you to do right now that you haven't yet done? That's between you and God, but what you need to do is realize that before God takes you to the next level, he's going to have to make sure that you can be obedient to hear his voice and then do what he's called you to do so that you'll be ready for what's ahead. So tell your neighbor, it's time to get ready for what's ahead. God's got great things ahead for us, great things ahead for us. And no matter what happens, no matter what happened in Texas, there are great things ahead for all those people. There may be, I don't know this for a fact, but there may be people that lost everything in Texas. But I guarantee you, there are great things ahead for those people. God's a God of restoration. There may be people who perhaps uh, have lost things already. And I know there have probably in the Keys. There are still great things ahead for those people because God is a God of restoration. So let's all say, God is a God of restoration. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Judges chapter 6 because that's the crux of what we're going to be sharing today. It's, It's about... Uh, an individual that God selected to do mighty things through. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's Gideon. <clears throat> and Gideon was, was an individual much like probably anybody else. He was in a wine press at that particular time, not hiding from God, but basically in a wine press, treading uh, 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 the, the, the things to make wine there, because the Midianites were so powerful in that period of time. And, and, and in, in the book of Judges chapter 6, it says that the people of God had done evil in the sight of God and that God was, was going to put them in a, in a timeout. He was upset with them and it ended up being a seven-year period of time. But that God was really upset with them because they had turned their back on God and they had begun to worship idols again. When you read the Old Covenant, you can look at the word idols and idolatry, and sometimes that word just in our modern-day English vocabulary doesn't really translate well, but, but really, we can have idols in this. You know, uh, sports can be an idol. A television could be an idol. Internet can be an idol. Personal things that God gives you can be an idol. We had people out in Tulsa that uh, when they would come to church there, they, they, they didn't have anything. They begin to prosper. They begin to get the word of God. We had one guy. The reason this story is so funny to us is because he gave the testimony of when he finally realized that what he had that God gave him became his idol. He got a bass boat. He'd wanted a bass boat for years. He was very poor. He finally had enough money saved up. He bought a bass boat. And then the only time he could go bass fishing was on Sunday. So he started missing church and his boat and fishing became his idol and took it away from the things of God. You can take the thing that God gave you and you can elevate it above God. God is not happy when you do that. God doesn't want any idols ahead of him. He wants our total focus to be on him. Now, we've set the story 
of, of Gideon being in the wine press, and an angel of the Lord shows up. Now, the children of God are, are, are really, they turn their back on God, so God's hand was removed from them. Now, it, it, it doesn't say that God came down and beat them up and punished them, but anyone can walk out from under the protection of God. God, in the, especially the New Covenant. How many of you are glad you, you are raised in the New Covenant and not the Old Covenant? Glory to God, I sure am. Because the more I read the Old Covenant, it's like, oh, thank you, Jesus, I was in the New Covenant. Uh, because we're covered by the blood. But it still doesn't mean that you can't walk out from under the protection of God. Uh, it's, it's no different than years ago, oh, a long time ago, I was stationed in uh, uh, Hawaii, and at that time they had an uh, earthquake in Chile. How about the weather patterns? Just, just interesting. Three hurricanes, almost simultaneous. Another hurricane, uh, actually the third one, following Hurricane Irma, uh, and then in the middle of all of that, an eight-point Richter scale earthquake in Mexico. Unbelievable. But it gave me an example of, of really heeding the authorities and, and, and following the will of God. There was an earthquake in Chile, and they had a tsunami that started in, in the earthquake of Chile as an aftermath, and the, and the tsunami started heading toward Hawaii. And they knew exactly which island it was going to hit in Hawaii. And they put up all of the warnings for the people to stay away from that island and near the coast. It had enough mountainous terrain that all the people had to do was stay in the area that people, uh, that they could get to and that they would be safe. People went to the beach to watch the tsunami. And when the tsunami came in, they saw it. It was the last thing they saw because they had been forewarned they ignored the warning, and the, and, and the, the devastation came ashore, and, and, and they didn't live. We have been warned with the word of God. And we, as a nation and as a people, most important thing for our lives is to be focused upon the Lord. And this is off the message just a little bit. But don't stop praying for this nation, and don't stop, pr stop praying for the President of the United States. The most important thing, in our nation, to God, in my opinion, is not tax reform. It is not a lot of the other stuff that we see them talking about. It is the issue of abortion, and it is the sanctity of marriage. And if this issue of abortion doesn't get settled, and if this issue of the sanctity of marriage doesn't get settled in this nation, don't think that God is not going to be upset and don't think that the wrath of God, which is not coming upon the children of God, but it will come upon the nations that turn their back on God. So we need to continue to pray. As a matter of fact, let's pray right now. Father, we pray for President Trump. He ran wanting to, he, he stated this. He thought abortion was wrong. Lord, the Supreme Court themselves said that, it, that there is room to do away with Roe versus a, uh, Wade if, if, the birth, if, if, the, if the life of the child was ever established as to when it began. Lord, I believe it begins when the heart beats, but other people have different opinions. But if there's a heart beating in that child, then that child is alive in that womb. And I pray, Lord, for President Trump not to let 
let go of what he said his belief system was. And also on the sanctity of marriage, he proclaimed what he felt on that. And we stand on that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, back to Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Back to Gideon. We're going to be looking in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, because the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. Gideon had been hiding out because of the Midianites, and they were afraid of them. The Midianites would come down. They would steal the crops from the Israelites. They, they seemed to be more powerful from them. God's hand had removed, been removed from the Gideon, uh, from the, uh, uh, from the, his people, the Jewish people. And now in verse number 12, the angel appears. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So here's Gideon. He gets up and goes to work. And he's just in the wine press. He's just a normal person doing his thing. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared before him. And the angel of the Lord is calling him a mighty man of valor. God's got valor and things for you to do, to go and become what God has called you to be. How many of you hope you have not arrived at your final destination of serving God in what you're doing today? And you haven't. God's got things for you to do. But the angel of the Lord appeared. And Gideon's response was really interesting. Here's Gideon's response in verse number 13. Gideon said, Why then has all of this happened to us? Where are all of these miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. So Gideon's first response to the angel of the Lord was, Hey, we got serious problems here. It wasn't like, oh, I'm glad you showed up. I'm really excited. He had been beaten down for so long. He's just saying, his, we got problems here. Why has all this happened? If, if, if all of these miracles, we just don't see them. And then the angel of the Lord responded and said, and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? In other words, further indicating that God wanted to use him. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God wants to use you. God's got great plans for you, and he'll take what you've been through and turn it around and use it for good. So it, it, Gideon again comes back to the angel of the Lord and says, Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the weakest of all of them. So Gideon is saying, I am weaker than anybody. My family is really weak, but I'm the weakest person in my family. Gideon is explaining to the angel of the Lord sent on an assignment from God to Gideon why he can't do what God is telling him to do. How many of you have ever done that? How many of you have ever in your mind tried to reason away something that God is telling you to do, saying, oh, I, I, just, I just don't know if I can do that. Uh, you know, who am I? Everybody, let's just say the word, who am I? Who am I? I'll tell you who you are. You are a child of God. You are created in the image of Almighty God. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit operating in you. You've got victory in your life. You can go from glory to glory if you just line up with what God has called you to do. Greatest example that I can think of is the divine appointments that wait for us if we'll just do what God has called us to do. One of the greatest heroes in my life has been Pastor Billy Joe Doherty. You hear me minister him a lot. He was like a mentor to me. He was the first man I met right after I got saved that really, in my opinion, just reminded me of what Jesus would be like. No matter what you've been through, you can turn it around and you can use it for good. And 
when he would give his story from time to time in victory, it would just always encourage me how he was a football player walking across that he was on a scholarship to a university uh, uh, there in Arkansas. And he was walking across the football field after a, a practice session, and they just kind of gazing up. And, and he felt like the Lord spoke to him and said, Billy Joe, you can have what you have. And, and before him seemed to cross all the things in his life that he'd been up to that point, And I said, oh, you can have what I have for you. And, uh, and, and, and then the Lord began to speak into his spirit at that time that he wanted him to, to go into the ministry, that he had a plan and a call for his life. And then later on, it was solidified that it was Oral Roberts University. And he went to his parents and told them what he was going to do. And they said, son, we don't, we don't have any money to send you. And he said, that's okay. I have enough money saved up. I can go for one semester. How many of you realize that for your mind to leave your home and go to another state to go to school and have money for one semester is not exactly what you would plan? Uh, you know, sometimes we would, we would want to be able to figure it out a little bit longer than that. But you see, the, the message today is wait on the Lord. And when the Lord shows you, then it's time to go. And God showed him it was time to go. He went to Old Roberts University, and this is going to fit in with what Gideon did here. He went to Oral Roberts University with, with one semester's tuition. He showed up at the university with one semester's tuition, and, he, and, and he, he, he started school there, and the job that he found, I don't know if it was the only job he found or not, but it was, it was the job he took, was washing the athletic uh, uh, clothing and, and stuff for the, for the athletes at Oral Roberts University. And what he would do when he worked, whatever number of hours was, he would just do washing, folding, ironing, washing, folding, ironing, those types of things for the students at the university. Not real glamorous for God to call you and you're working washing clothes. I could think that maybe you might entertain the question, have I made a mistake here? But she, he stayed at it. And he met a friend there. Everybody say this, life is full of divine encounters. But if you're going to have a divine encounter, you're going to have to be in the center of the will of God because God knows where he's going to bring that divine encounter. And if you're not flowing with what God wants you to do, then you can miss the divine encounter that God wants you to have. During the course of doing what he was doing, he met this person, they became friends, and this person ended up getting a promotion, and he, be, and he got on a committee at Oral Roberts University that chose and picked the dorm chaplains. And they were having a meeting, and they were deciding who would be the dorm, they only had one opening left for a dorm chaplain in this one residence hall, and uh, they were all sitting around the table, there were several of these guys, and they had a list of about 10 or 15 people, and Pastor Doherty had, had registered to become one because at that time at Oral Roberts University, tremendous benefit, they received full education, scholarship, room, and board. So it was a tremendous opportunity. So he had applied, not even thinking one way or the other, just felt like he was supposed to, to apply. As they sit around in this group, they're going through this list. And they, somebody would say, well, do you know anybody on this list? No, I don't know anybody. How about you? Do you know? No, I don't know anybody. Finally came around to the newest guy on the committee. I said, how about you? you know anybody? I said, I don't, I don't think I know. Oh, Billy Joe Doherty. I, I know this guy. He's really a good guy. I said, well, how about if we make him a chaplain? He said, yeah, let's make him a chaplain. He went from washing clothes to a full-ride scholarship at Oral Roberts University because he was obedient to what God had called him to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got the same thing for you. 
Don't despise the day of small beginnings because that's the stepping stone to the very next thing that God has. Back to our friend here, Gideon. So, if you, if you study Judges chapter 6, Gideon finally said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for a fleece here. Uh, you know, and, and we're not going to go through the fleece and the things that Gideon asked. But Gideon basically said, God, i got to make sure this is really you. And if this is really you, I'm going to put some fleece down here. And in the morning, if I wake up and it's wet and we won't go through all of the wording, uh, then I'll know it's you. And yes, it was. And then I guess Gideon decided, let's do it twice. Now I'm going to do it and make sure it's dry the next time. And God did that. I think, I think the reason God did it, was because he saw God's heart turning toward him. You got to be careful of a fleece. God can, the enemy can try to answer a fleece. So you got to be careful of living by fleeces. But Gideon did it twice. The reason I brought this into play, and I forgot to mention this in the first service, was when I was in Tulsa, God was speaking into my heart. I didn't know why I went to, to uh, Oklahoma, uh, Pam and I, many years ago, other than God said, I want you to go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning for your life. So I'm out there in a church service with Pam and Diane Hughes was with us, and I'm sitting in the service, and that night I had prayed because I kept hearing God say, I want you into full-time ministry. And I remember saying, God, if you want me into full-time ministry, now, I know this sounds silly to you, but this is where I was at the time. If you want me in full-time ministry, you have Pastor Billy Joe call me up in front of the entire congregation. He didn't even know me at that time. You have him call me up in front of the con- whole congregation, and I'll know that it is you calling me into full-time ministry. And that night, never will forget that, we were way back in the back of the church service. Alf Ekman had just graduated from Oral Roberts University. Uh, Billy Joe was getting ready to pray for him out out of worship. Uh, He was going back to Sweden, has started a mighty work over there in Sweden. And, uh, and, And as Billy Joe came out of the platform, he just stopped and he said, Brother, I want you to come up and pray for him. I had never prayed for anyone in my life. And Billy Joe, so sometimes when people say to me, uh, you asked me to pray and you hadn't prepared me, you get the same notice I had. <laughs> so just turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to get the same notice Billy jo- uh, Bill, Pastor Bill had. You're going to get the same notice I had. And uh, I, I saw I pray. I have no idea what I prayed. I had never prayed for anybody. And, and uh, so I came back, and as I was walking back to my seat, this is what I heard. I did what I asked you to do. Now will you do what I've asked you to do? And I just began to weep inside because I knew that was God. God loves you, and God's got a great plan for your life. God wants you to be a Gideon, to rise up from wherever you are. You may be exactly where God wants you to be, but you may not be. Maybe you're in a waiting time. Maybe you're in a holding time. Maybe you're in a time where things are being restored in your life. But God's got a plan beyond it. And sometimes... If you can't get your eyes off of where you are, you can't see where he wants you to go. And so that's, this to me, our church is an encouraging, edifying church. God loves you right where you are, and if you never changed, it wouldn't affect his love for you. But he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan to take you on. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got a great plan for the rest of your life. <clears throat> got a great plan. But, <clears throat> but you have to tap into it. <clears throat> and if you tap into it, you'll see the supernatural hand of God move. Gideon, <clears throat> excuse me, Gideon tapped in to God's supernatural plan. 
If you study Judges chapter 6, he finally said, God, I'll do it. And, and, and this is what the Word of God says about Gideon. It's a definition of his leadership, and it's so powerful. It, it's talking about Gideon's humility. Gideon demonstrated seven traits of godly leadership. One, his willingness to lead, uh, not to lead unless God calls. Two, his dependence upon God at every turn. Three, his willingness to turn faith into action. Four, his willingness to use the gifts God had given him to lead others. And where's the rest? Oh, five. He gave God all of the glory before and after every victory. Six, he humbly gave others credit that really belonged to him. And seven, he refused to establish a dynasty after he had fulfilled God's charge. Powerful. This, this, this man, Gideon, was powerful. He's no different than your potential. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's no different than your potential. This is all of our potential. So Gideon did everything that God told him to do. I'm paraphrasing all the way up to chapter 8 right now. Everything that God told him, Gideon did. I believe God gives us things to do along the route so that he'll see how much he can trust us. In other words, will we do... How, how many of you have raised children? Can I see your hand? Okay. There's an old Russian proverb that I used with someone just recently. Uh, trust but verify. How many of you realize that some of the children you raised, you could trust implicitly, and if you told them something, you didn't have to verify. You just know that child would do it. How many of you had the old Russian proverb, I trust that child, but I'm going to verify. <laughs> Can I see your hands? We raised six children, and we had a couple of children. Yeah, I trust you, and I'm going to verify. <laughs> just exactly what what you said. So what happens is we, 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 we've got to get to that point when God knows that he can trust us. If we're doing what God called us to do, we know we can trust him. To, he can trust us to do more. But if he's not doing what God called him to do and what God called us to do, then he knows he, he doesn't love us less, but he can't trust us more. Does that make sense? Let's just say he doesn't love me less, but can he trust me more? In other words, can he trust me with the next step that he has for me? And here's what happened. Gideon did everything that he called, uh, uh, that he, they asked him to do. And then at the end, they asked Gideon to be their king. He and his household, they wanted to elevate them. And this is what Gideon said. He said, no, I, I'm not going to do that. We're just going to live our life and, and we're going to move on. So everything with Gideon was really perfect. I've known so many people that were called of God, anointed by God, only to lose whatever they got from God because they made bad decisions. I've known people that came through Victory Christian Center out there in Tulsa, powerful men of God, anointed, charisma, unbelievable. Uh, some of them just ended up in ministry. Some, but one of them ended up in prison. Uh, one guy went to Oklahoma, started a church, exploded to six, 7,000 people, and the next thing he lost his church, lost his wife, lost his marriage, lost everything, all because he wasn't founded on what did God say and what am I doing? And his focus, instead of being upon God, became focused upon something that was not of God that would pull their attention or pull his attention. And this is what happened to Gideon. In the end, Gideon had a challenge. And there are many snares out there that are going to try to stop you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. And if you're not careful, 
you can fall prey to them because the distractions of life are everywhere. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast every care. The word care means merimno. It's a distraction. It means get rid of every distraction that tries to focus you down a path that is not of God. It can be a good, it could be a distraction that doesn't seem like it's off-center from what God would want you to have. But if God's not in it, it's a distraction. And many people get distracted. Hebrews 12 says, keep your focus upon Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. So let's I'll say it. My focus, not on people, not on things, it's on Jesus. You keep your focus upon Jesus, you won't get in trouble. Gideon seemed to have his act together. These people that I just described to you seem to have their act together, but they fell by the wayside. Here's Gideon. In verse number 24 of Judges chapter 8, this is what happened to Gideon. After one of the battles, and Gideon was victorious in everything that he did, After one of the battles, Gideon said to his fighters, his warriors, I would like to make a request to all of you that each of you would give me the earrings from your plunder. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And he wanted all of the gold, about a hundred pounds of gold that they had in this particular battle. Now this is the man that served God and loved God, and wanted to do the will of God. Let's read number 20, verse number 27. Then Gideon took the gold, made it into an ephod, that is a snare right there, and set it up in his city, Ophrah, and all of Israel played the harlot with it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and to his entire house, and to all of the children of God. Gideon did something that he knew not to do, but he was distracted by the beauty of the gold and by the opportunity he had to have it all for himself. And the people readily did it for Gideon, but it cost Gideon everything. If you read on in Gideon's life, he had 70 children. Because of opening the door to the devil... 69 of his children were murdered. One child survived. 69 of them were murdered. The scripture in Proverbs, uh, excuse me, in uh, uh, James chapter 3, verse 16, is the scripture that is always trying to knock at your door. Beware of self-seeking, because where there is self-seeking, there will be confusion and every evil work. Gideon's later years, after experiencing all of the wonderful victories, were horrible. The people went back into bondage, back into captivity. They did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Evil and his, uh, uh, Gideon and his family suffered horribly because of a tragic mistake that he did. He got his focus on the wrong place. He got distracted by the gold. How many of you realize it can be easy to be distracted if you're not totally focused. But if you're totally focused, then you can't be distracted. Let's stand to our feet. I believe God wants you to accomplish and excel at everything that he's called you to do. And I believe God wants to give you good and precious gift. But you can't 
elevate the gift ahead of God. You can't elevate the finances ahead of God. When God gives you, as Hobby Lobby is experiencing, tremendous wealth, then God will come along and say, I want you to give all that wealth away. And there are people that are now giving wealth away that I know in the body of Christ. Terry Henshaw did that. He had a, a business where he made uh, oh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. God said, I want you to give it all away now. I showed you how to make it now. I want you to give it all away. Gave it all away and moved to Russia. Been used mightily to impact the world. Uh, Hobby Lobby impacting the entire United States, impacting the, the, the Supreme Court of America for good in this nation. Now they're giving their money away, meeting every month to determine how much more money they can give away to people that are out there doing work for God. God has no problem with finances, and God has no problem with giving you direction for your life. What He wants is an obedient heart. Uh, an obedient heart that will do whatever God called you to do. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask you, as always, the most important question you will ever answer in your life. <clears throat> and that is, do you know where you will spend eternity? If you're not sure, today's the day to settle that issue. Maybe you've never acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have acknowledged Him, but you know you've You've drifted away like a prodigal son, a prodigal child. The good news is God loves you, but he wants you to come home. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that, that's me. I, I know my life is not right with God. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air, and we're going to pray for you. Would you slip it real high? Yes, I see your hand all the way back there, ma'am. Are there others you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. But if your life is not right, if you have drifted away from God, God is speaking into your spirit, into your heart right now. Anyone else before we pray, you say, I know my life is not right. Thank you, Jesus. Would you come down here to the altar with me? Give, give them a hand as they come. Yeah, give her a hand. Yeah, angels in heaven are rejoicing at this very, at this very moment. We're so glad that you're with us. Set your hands out here toward this lady. Father, we thank you for this moment of a divine encounter. Thank you that this is a life-changing day, that the power of your Holy Spirit is going to bring resurrection power into this beautiful person, and that the plan and the purpose that you have for her life is going to be revealed. Restoration, renewal, soundness of mind, financial blessings coming upon her and overtaking her, and then the truth of the plan for her life revealed in Jesus' name. We're going to make this all, we're going to make this confession. We're all going to pray with you. Let's pray right now. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. But today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. Take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you. To be all that you've called me to be. Now, Father, I pray 
that this day is a new day, a new beginning, in Jesus' name, that she will never be the same, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, now before you leave, they're going to minister to you right here at the altar. Before you all leave, I want to ask you this question. Gideon, he, he wasn't in the wine press, perhaps waiting on the Lord. He was hiding. He was fearful and he was concerned about things. But when God finally got his attention, he was ready to move, but he wouldn't move without waiting on the Lord. He, he wouldn't do anything without God showing him what to do. And he would do it. But when you read about Gideon at the very end, he must have become a little complacent with his life and with everything going right. Everything was going good for him. Because it said that when he wanted the gold, he didn't consult God. He just said, I am attracted to that gold. And I have plans for that gold. He became distracted. He didn't wait on the Lord. And he took the gold and it sent the people of God into bondage and it destroyed his family. You'll never know how much destruction awaits you if you will not wait on the Lord. God's plan and purpose for your life will never change. So you've got to have that time to wait on the Lord and be restored. How many of you right now either need a breakthrough in your life or you need to spend more time waiting on the Lord? Can I see your hands? Lift them real high. Lift them real high up there. Now, Father, you see every hand that is lifted. Lord, many, many hands. You know exactly where every situation is, where every person is, where every family is. And I just bind the work of the devil. I bind distraction. The distraction that tries to get us to do something. Do something. No, 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 no. Wait on the Lord. God will never not tell you what He wants you to know and what He wants you to do. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, there will be a desire to wait upon you and that it will be a liberating experience where the power of your Holy Spirit will come and set people free. A day of new beginnings. Right now. I believe I am waiting on the Lord. Some things I'm doing for the Lord because I already know what He's told me. But I know this, without a doubt, I have not arrived. God has more for me to do. I'm not going to retire. I'm going to refire. I'm not going to stay in the wine press. I'm going to touch the world because God has a plan. And whatever God says, God can do. Therefore, my plan is God's plan. And I am going from glory to glory in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed.